welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. We pray God's blessing on you as you listen to this message from Sunday, March the 12th, preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Here now is Brother Mike, preaching from Joshua 24, 15. For God's Word this morning, let's look at Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, a decision every family needs to make. As Joshua says here in this key verse of this chapter, verse 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what Joshua was meaning by that was that I'm going to put the Lord first in my life. That's a decision that you'll never regret. Now, I've made some decisions in my life that I have regretted. I regret, when I was a teenage boy, that I did not listen to my parents more. Kids, listen to your parents. I regret that when I got out on my own as a young adult, that I did not call my parents very often. And when my boys grew up and they left the home and they didn't call us, I called my parents and I apologized. (laughs) And I regretted that. Kids, young people, call your parents. Let them know what's going on in your life. Let them know you're living, you're breathing, and things are going okay. I regret taking the scenic route on a road trip in the summer of 1999. Now, there's a story there. I'm going to tell it briefly. But uh, we had dropped the kids off at Mother and Daddy's house here in Texarkana, where they lived at the time. And me and Lori got away for a weekend away in Hot Springs. And on the way back, we decided, I decided, that we were going to take the long way here. And I want to take the scenic route. And I said, I want to go I-30. I want to go down old Highway 67 and stop all those little places along the way and see the scenes. Well, I had never been all the way down Highway 67. I knew where it ended up. It ended up by my house where we lived at the time over by Broadmoor Circle. And I thought, no problem. I can get there. But what I did not know is that when you're going through Arkadelphia, you have to take all these turns to get on Highway 67. And the last turn you make is a hard right, and it's easy to miss. And if you miss it, you keep going and... You go scenic Highway 7 that turns into Highway 8 that turns out to be a road of regret. (laughs) Because you end up in the middle of nowhere, down in some river bottoms. And so we were driving along there, and I had no idea that I had made the mistake. And I just thought, you know, it's not looking like I imagined. But I thought, any time now, it's going to straighten out, and I'm going to get on track. And I began to be worried about it long before I shared my concerns with her. But when she began to wonder where we were going and voice those concerns, I said, oh, it's okay. We just got to keep going. And, uh, I, I, you know, we'll figure it out. And so we kept going. And about an hour in the wrong direction, I finally decided I was going to pull over and ask for, for directions. And uh, it was another about 15 minutes before we found uh, a store and people to actually talk to. And we we pulled into this old-timey 
country store and the wise gentleman inside uh, heard what I wanted. I told him that we had come from, uh, from uh, Arkadelphia and we were going to Texarkana, but we got off track and I wanted to know how to go from here to there. And he looked at me with great country wisdom and he said, you best go back where you came from. <laughs> so I don't want to go back where I came from. I want to, I want to go. I know it's in that general direction. Just tell me, is it this road over here I need to go to? And I just want to get over there. He said, you can take that road over there, but best go back where you came from. And so I said, well, okay, I don't, I don't want to go back. So, okay. And so I walked out of the car, and, and Lori looked at me and said, what did he say? And I said, he said, take this road over here. <laughs> I didn't tell her the other part. <laughs> and uh, it was okay for a while. The asphalt road turned into a gravel road. And then it narrowed. And then it turned into a dirt road. And then we actually kind of crossed a little creek. <laughs> and water was running across the road. And we were out in the middle of nowhere. And just when it, it, you think it wouldn't get worse, I looked down and we were about out of gas. <laughs> and so we kept driving along and finally, ding, and then it got worse. And she's over there going, I should have married somebody else, you know. <laughs> and uh, I didn't begin, I, I really got worried. I thought we were fixing to run out of gas in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we finally came out on the other side of that and got on, came in on the other side of Camden, East Camden. And um, <laughs> I was glad to see civilization, I, I promise you. And, and, and I pulled up there to the gas station, first one we found, and got out. And some of the locals, they just didn't like us being there. And, I, and the first thing I heard getting back out of the car was grumbling, griping about us being on their side of town. And so I, I shut the door and I told her to lock the door. I'm going to pay for gas. Don't look at anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Don't get out of the car. I just wanted to get somewhere and be safe. And so um, when we talk about going the scenic route, uh, we always kind of look at each other. Isn't it amazing how just one wrong turn in life can lead us so far astray? You need to put God first in your life. Because the opposite is true. If you'll make the right turn in your life, the right turn at the right time, it's amazing how far it will get you and how God will bless you and what he'll do in your life. And so for a few minutes, let's think about this subject, putting God first in your life, a decision you'll never regret. I, I did make some decisions along the way in which I didn't put God first. And I thought back on those, and every single one of them I've regretted. But the times I put God first in my life, first in my life as a teenager, first in my life as a young adult, first in my life as a middle-aged adult, I have never regretted those times. Every one of them, I can look back and say, I am so glad that I made that turn. I'm so glad I followed the Lord. You need to follow the Lord. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when he said that, he meant uh, his house and his household. And so he was surrendering himself and everything that was precious in his life.
to the Lord. And Joshua never regretted it. It's a decision that every family needs to make. Young, young people, young couples, you've got more pulling at you than any other generation in America. You've got more distractions and more places you can go and more things you can do and more things you can put in front of the Lord than anybody else up to this point. And if you don't decide that you're going to put God first, you're going to run after everything else and you could be far down the road before you come to, to yourself to turn around. And there's going to be some consequences that come out of that that you'll live to regret. So I want to share with you this morning four reasons why you should choose to serve the Lord from this passage of Scripture. Because the surrounding verses do give us four compelling reasons. These are the reasons that Joshua uh, brought to the people and this is what motivated them to say, yes, we will serve the Lord. And the first one is that God is calling you to surrender to him. When someone calls you and they call you repeatedly, that means something. That means that um, <clears throat> they care about you. That means they're, they're concerned about you. They're committed to you. And Joshua shows us here in chapter 24 that God had been calling his people all the way back from the days of Abraham, some 500 years before this moment right here. And what we see from this chapter is that God's call in the past is his call to you now presently. It's a call to this generation. It's a call to people today to say, I want you to put me first. I've been working in this world, and everything I've done in history is to bring you to this moment when, when you'll say yes to me, and you'll follow me. The people connected these dots. Look at verse 16. They said, So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in in the land. We also will serve the Lord for He is our God. And so he, they, they understood that what God had done in Abraham's life, what God had done in Isaac and Jacob's life, as Joshua recounts all of, all of these callings of God with the people of Israel, that it was really their call. God was calling them. He had a purpose for them right now. And they said yes. Jesus is calling us in this generation. He said, I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus is calling. He said, I, come, I have come to call, to, to seek and to save that which is lost. And then he gave this general invitation. He said, come unto me all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come unto, you, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden. Is that you? Are you weary? Do you need more life in your life? Do you need direction? Do you need help? The Lord says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your soul. So he's calling us to surrender to him. And if we'll do that, we'll never look back in regret. A second reason is that God has never failed to deliver on his promises. 
you read this whole chapter and you find that Joshua brought them to a very specific place. It was a place called Shechem. Verse 1 tells us this. And then he began to recount to them what God had done in their life and in their nation. And he talks about the call of Abraham, verse 3, and the call of Jacob and Isaac, verse 3 and 4, the call of Moses in verse 5, and how God brought them in to the land, to the promised land. And he was making this point. He was saying, God has been faithful to you through all of his promises, and he'll not leave you now. If you'll serve him, he'll be with you, and he'll keep every single promise he's ever made. What's so neat about this passage of scripture is that they were at the very place where Abraham stood 500 years before this when God called him and said, here is the promised land. You remember God called Abraham out of the early Chaldees? That's modern day Iraq today, Mesopotamia. Called Abraham out of that that land where they were worshiping foreign gods. And they'd gotten so far away from God, even though God had through the flood and through Noah and through all that he had done, had brought creation and all humanity back to himself. Still, they then, in, in a few short hundred years, just strayed away from him and they were worshiping idols. He called Abraham out of that culture. And he said, I'm going to take you to a land and I'm going to show you. So Abraham took off. You might say he got on the scenic route to go where God was leading him. And he didn't know where he was going. And he takes the common route from Mesopotamia up to the the north of the land of Palestine, and then he comes down. And he's about halfway through, and he still doesn't know where he's supposed to go. And I imagine that was a fun ride with Sarah, his wife, and everybody else in the family. But when he gets to Shechem, which is about the geographic center of the Holy Land, at Shechem, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, he was underneath a terebinth tree at Shechem. And God spoke to him and said, this is it. This is it. This is the land. You're here. In the very center of it, where he could just look everywhere he turned and see the land that God was going to give to him and his descendants. And God promised to give him a son, even though he he was 100 years old before he received that son. God fulfilled that promise. And he promised to be with Isaac, his son, and Jacob, his son, and to, to bring his family, Jacob's family, out of bondage from Egypt and bring them back to that land. And God fulfilled every one of those promises. And Joshua says, you can trust him. You can serve him because he's a faithful God. He's not failed in any one promise. Now, I want to I touch on something real quickly right here. It's very, very important. And that is some people at this point that don't serve the Lord and are, haven't put him first, they, they say, well, this is why I, I don't want to follow the Lord is because Back in those days, you're talking about how he led his people. He did some things I don't agree with. He said, thou shalt not kill, but he killed some people. It's right here in verse 8. I brought you out of the land of, into the land of the Amorites who dwell on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you, but I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you. There it is. Some people, and I've heard them say, they say, I cannot serve a God who would be that cruel. Because they destroyed cities. They destroyed men, women, and children. And they did. 
But we need to set the context and understand what was happening there. What God was doing was he was bringing his people into a world that had not put him first for a long, long time. And they had strayed. And they had become very corrupt. In fact, they had become, become so corrupt, they were destroying themselves. They were on the track to repeat the flood. God wasn't going to send the flood, but they were about to destroy themselves again and, and have need for God to intervene in that way. You know what they were doing during that day and time? They were worshiping false gods, and one of them was a god named Molech. He was a Canaanite god. And he was represented by a bronze statue that had his arms extended out. He had a, a bull head and a, and a body of a human. He had his arms spread out. Inside was a hollow chamber in which they built a fire and they heated up that, that pagan idol. And they would come and they would offer their children to this false god and lay them on those arms that were heated up, red hot, fire hot. And to keep from hearing the screams of those little children, they would beat drums and blow trumpets so no one would hear that. But they would bring their children to pass through the fire as the Old Testament talks about. And God said, that's an abomination to me. Do not do that. That's not what serving me is about. I'm for life. I'm for giving you life and blessing your life. But these Canaanites and these Amorites, they had, fought, they had followed a false god because they didn't put God first. And they were destroying themselves. And God says, I want to put a stop to it. He was stopping the bleeding. That's what he was doing. Imagine it this way. Say you go out to lunch today and you go to your favorite restaurant and you walk up there and you, you're just having a good time and you're expecting this to, everything to be normal but all of a sudden you see something you hope you never see. You see someone bursting out of the doors loaded down with ammunition with a bomb strapped on themselves and then you hear the screams and you hear the people inside the restaurant that are bleeding and dying because of what they've just done. And they're coming out to reload. And then you see something you thought you'd never see. You see them going out to the truck. And then out of the truck piles a couple of females and some children that are loaded down with the same explosives. And they go and they're coming back in to finish the job out. You say, well, that never happened. You need to read the news reports. The evil one today is doing that very thing today in our world. Women and children may be used as suicide bombers by radical terrorists. This is the kind of evil that God was dealing with in that day. And he was having to stop the bleeding because he didn't want to see children continue to be burned up in the fire. And he didn't want to see them grow, if they survived that, they didn't, he didn't want to see them grow up and become adults who were pagans who would drop into hell. And so God was making the hard decision to stop the bleeding so that people would know that he's the one true God. Any right-minded person in that kind of crisis situation would do the hard thing and would step up and would stop what was happening. And that's what God was doing in this passage of Scripture at this time. This is why there were some folks that were destroyed. And I'll say this, the little children were rescued from this kind of pagan culture. If they were before the age of accountability, they went to heaven, the Bible shows us and teaches us. And so actually this was an act of mercy and grace by a loving God, a faithful God who was stepping in to stop what was happening and to turn it around. That's a God you can follow. 
Because we've got an evil world that we live in. And we need to follow him and not the world. Because he's about life. You can trust him. God's calling you. God's faithful to every one of his promises. He'll keep those in your life. And then number three, very quickly, number three, the Lord's way is the best life that one can live. In verse 14, Joshua told him this. He said, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. It's the best life you can have. And Joshua described it as a sincere and true life. The word sincere means perfect. It means whole. This is the same word that described Noah in Genesis chapter 6, who was perfect, whole, complete in all his generations. The word truth is the Hebrew word for amen. It means you can live a life that's true and reliable, that people will look at it and say amen to that life. That's the kind of life that God wants to lead you in. But only as you put him first will you experience it. Finally, number four, reason why you need to serve the Lord is that it is the way, the only way that you can positively impact the next generation. The Bible says that as Joshua called the people to serve the Lord, They said in verse 24, the Lord our God, we will serve his voice, we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. I'd love to go to the Holy Land one day and see this place, Shechem, where Abraham stood, where Joshua stood, where God's people stood and made such an important decision. The Bible says that Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak, which was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And verse 31 says, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Two generations. That's the impact that it made. As Joshua says, As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I've got an old Bible up here that I have on my office desk. I keep it with me as a reminder of those who have gone on before me that have served the Lord. And I'll use this Bible in our service this morning as we come to the Lord's table and we commune with Him. It's a special Bible to me because um, it's a tangible connection that I have with the past. It's from one of my relatives who is a minister. I'm I'm from a family of preachers. I've got more preachers than I can count at one time. They're everywhere. I've got both grandfathers brothers, uncles. This Bible actually belonged to my uh, great uncle's dad. His name was H.A. Turner. And through my great-grandmother, I received this Bible. And H.A. Turner was a minister in South Arkansas, lived, he was born about 130 years ago. And uh, about 50 years ago, he wrote in this Bible, you see it's well-used, he wrote in this Bible on March 31st, I love this book and the Lord of it. And I keep this as a reminder that those who came before me, they, they kind of blazed a trail for me. They helped me to get on this road that I'm on. And they're my motivation in part as I see the Lord's work in their life. 
And again and again, God has showed me how that if I will do the same thing, if I today will decide to put him first, that act of obedience today will bless people 100 years from now if the Lord tarries. I want to give you one more quick story. I'm looking at the clock. I'm hurrying. And I want to tell you what God did in my life this weekend. And it, it's, it's to this point right here. I was asked to do a funeral service for a family in our area that needed a minister. And I did that yesterday at 1 o'clock. And I was out at the Memorial Gardens East Funeral uh, Cemetery. And we had that service they're in an area of the cemetery where I knew that some of my family were buried. Uh, my grandfather on my mother's side, C.V. Thompson, he was a Baptist minister for all of his life. And he retired the, in this area, and, and he and my grandmother are buried out there. I didn't know exactly where. It's been a long time since I've been out there. But as I was getting ready for the service, and we were standing there by the tent where they had the canopy, and the family was gathering for the service I was doing, I told the funeral director I wanted to walk around just a few moments and look for the, the gravesite of some of my family members. So I walked around. I couldn't find it. So I came back, and I stood underneath the tent, and I looked down. And right there at my feet, where I preached that service, was the burial place for my grandfather and my grandmother. I didn't know these people. We got put together just randomly, but it was providentially. And the lady that I preached the funeral for was in the burial place right next to my grandfather and grandmother. As I stood and preached, I, I stood right there in that ground, and his body was right below me. Last time I saw that body on earth, he was struggling with cancer. And he was raising his hand as if to say to me, I'll see you in heaven. He had fought the good fight. He had traveled that road, that road that now I'm on. And yesterday God put me right there on the ground over him as I ministered. And God was telling me, you're on the right road. You're in the right place. You keep serving me. And I'll use your life to bless others just like others have blessed you. Is God first in your life? There's no one like him and there's nothing like serving him. If your life is in a mess, if you're struggling, if you feel like you're on the wrong way, if people are telling you best, you go back where you came from. Put God first in your life this morning. And you'll never regret it. That's why our heads Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.